0: Have you ever bought a counterfeit? You ever bought something that you thought was real that wasn't? I remember the first time, (laughs) the first time I bought a counterfeit. I was in high school, we were on a mission trip uh, overseas and uh, I found some Oakleys. I mean, back then, like Oakleys were like $40 back home, but here they were $5. Like real Oakleys for $5. Of course I'm gonna buy them, right? I didn't buy one, I bought two. So excited for my new purchase, my new Oakleys. And I remember going back to high school and, and wearing them thinking that I was so cool. Until one of my friends said, you know Oakley's spelled wrong. <laughs> There's an E in Oakley. I'm like, there is? Uh, yeah, it didn't matter because they probably they broke right after that. The lens popped out or whatever. The paint started peeling off. Um, I thought they were real. They weren't. You know, I should have learned my lesson, but I didn't. You know, years later, another mission trip, and uh, found a North Face backpack, and I looked like North Face was spelled correctly, so it has to be real. You know, it was a great backpack, I loved it. And wore it around and came back home and used it for a little bit. About two weeks later, the zipper broke. You know, but I'm not a fool. Like, I know they have a warranty, you know, so I go online, and I look, I see the North Face warranty, I see, you know, mail it to this place, so I mail the backpack. It cost me probably more to mail it than to buy it, um, and sent it there, and I'm waiting for my new, you know, backpack with a zipper to come. But instead, they sent it back to me with a letter. And I said, Mr. Hedberg, uh, what you have here is a counterfeit, and it is not under warranty, and we will not fix it, unless you tell us where you got it from and who you bought it from. And if you do, then we will fix your, your backpack. <laughs> and I'm like, forget it. It is not worth it. You know, I, let alone, I don't even know. Where it is that I got it from, so it threw it away, you know. But um, you maybe have had the same experience, you know. You bought that that purse, that Gucci or Gotchy purse or whatever, you know, and pretty soon the zipper rusts, you know. Uh, the nice jeans and the button falls off, or the watch and the second hand falls off. I mean, you know what it is. You buy these things; they look great, you know, in the window, and you you're so excited about it, but they don't last, right? Because they're fakes. Um, we have those in our life you probably have your own experiences but uh, that's not so concerning what's more concerning is what john is writing about in this letter that we read just a minute ago uh, more about the spiritual counterfeits uh, that's way more important because in his church he's having people that are coming into the church saying you love jesus i love jesus right we both love jesus but but let me me show you something that you might like even better. Like, this Jesus that I have here for you, I want to sell to you, he's even better. Like, you get all the benefits and none of those other things. You don't have to serve in Mexico on the weekends or things like that. Like, my Jesus that we have here, it's better. It's a counterfeit. It's fake. And John is wanting to make sure that his people know the difference, that they don't fall prey to a spiritual counterfeit. And that is why we are teaching this today, too, because it matters for us that there are counterfeits around. People say, hey, come, come look at this Jesus, and you just add on an extra book, and you've got the whole thing, or you just add an extra baptism in our church, and you've got the real Jesus, or whatever it may be, it's around. And as John is concerned, and for us, we have to know the difference, John's writing this letter, and he's, he's not teaching them this is what a counterfeit looks like. He's reminding them of the truth. He says, this is why I'm writing you. In verse 21, he says, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. He's saying, you know the truth, but don't forget it. Or it's like you're on Thanksgiving dinner, you know, you're with the family, you're with grandpa, and somebody brings up the war, and you're like, like, oh, I know what he's going to say. Here he goes, and you can see the glimmer in his eye, and he's like, I don't want you grandkids to ever forget. You know, freedom is not free. And he goes on and tells a story that you've heard a hundred times, but it's important that you don't forget these things. John is saying, do not forget the truth that you've been taught. Don't forget it. He says in verse 26, I'm writing you these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. All right, he's saying there are people out there that are trying to lead you astray and you have to know what they look like. You have to know what to look for. Again, like a, a great mom who's teaching their young kids that just everybody with candy is not good right? You see the van, you see the person with the candy corn, don't go to them, right? You see them with a puppy. They're not, they're not all altruistic, That there's evil people in there. And you have to know what to look like, and, and stick close to me. So I'm writing you these things to remind you the truth, so you know what to look for, so you won't be led astray, so that you will remain in the last day, and that's the important thing that we remain in Christ. So why are we teaching this? It's because I want you to remain, right? There are things that distract us, things that that draw our attention away. So whether it's a a counterfeit gospel or a, a counterfeit world like Daniel talked about last week, there's so many things that can take us away. But the important thing is we remain. We remain in Christ Because it says, he's coming, he's returning. And I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want you to be ashamed that you departed from the faith, but stay and remain. So that's why it's important today that we talk about this. So what are we going to talk about? We're talking about uh, three things, time, team, and trials. I don't normally start them all with T's or whatever, but they just kind of fell in place today. And so if that helps you, that's great. If it doesn't, disregard but we'll talk about the times that we're living in, the team that we're on, who are we a part of, and what are the trials that we face and how do we endure those, okay? So let's talk about the time, all right? We are living in the last days. So what time is it? It is the last days. Uh, What does that mean? Uh, it just reminds me, even just this, this morning, uh, I got up early, I went to Starbucks um, to get a coffee, and I went to open the door, and it was locked, and there was a little handwritten sign that said, lobby is not open until 6 o'clock. I'm like, ah, you know. And, and I heard this lady from over on the side, she was in the dark, and uh, a homeless lady, and I've seen her before, know I, I know who she is, and uh, she says to me, she says, um, what time is it, and how long do I have to wait? I said, oh, 13 minutes. 13 minutes and it will be open. It's the same thing. It's like, okay, we're in the last days. How long do we have to wait for Jesus to return? How long do we have to wait for the kingdom of heaven to come? Is it 13 minutes? Is it 13 days? Is it 13 years or 13 generations? We don't know. But what we do know is we are in the last days. It says in verse 18, it says, Dear children, This is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, and this is how we know it is the last hour. So here we are, we're talking about the last hour, the last days, the Antichrist. It is October, so it kind of fits. Uh, It's a a topic we don't talk about a lot, um, but it's important, and it's relevant, and there's a sound. Okay, it's not a fire alarm, is it? That's later in my sermon. I'll get to that. Um, okay. I think we're good. Um, <laughs> that's weird. All right. Is, he's saying, it's the last hour. What does that mean? If you've been in church for some time, and if you've read your Gospels, you, you've heard these words before, right? Uh, there's several of them, the last hour, the last days, uh, the present age. And so let me just kind of walk you through a little bit of that. Some of it is kind of the writer, what they prefer right? Um, so, don't get so caught up on, like, oh, the, the right phrase, but, but there's a few things. I mean, Jesus, when he's here on earth, he says, this is the present age, okay? This is the present age that we're living in, and um, he said, when I return, when I come back, it will be uh, the, the, the future age, right? But right now, we're in the present age. So, he talks about this, okay, wait, that's present age, right? Then, we go a little bit further. You talk like in the book of Jude. It goes a little bit deeper into this, and it talks about this, um, this other time, the last times. It says, dear friends, remember that the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers. And those who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow their natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. So he's talking about the present age. And then in Jude, it says it's going to be these last times. And in these last times, you're going to have people that do not care at all about following Jesus. They don't care at all. They're going to try to divide the church. They're going to try to divide those who follow Christ right? They're going to go after their own ungodly desires. And he's saying, don't be thrown off by that. But you, but you as followers of Christ live a godly life. Instead of dividing, find unity together. So that's how we're going to live in these last times. But then Paul, he talks about the last days. So we have the present age, the the last times, and then the last days, This is a little more specific, but he says, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible times. People will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boastful and proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That doesn't sound good. He says, in the last days, you're going to have people like that. But what does he say next? Having the form of godliness, but denying its power. He said, these people are all wrapped up in a little Christian uniform. People in the church. People in the church that they have this little form of godliness, but their heart is not there. This is the last times. Be terrible days when these days come, don't be thrown off by it. Don't say, "Well, God must not be in control, or He doesn't exist, or whatever." We're, we see it. We've already been warned that these things are going to happen. And so when John writes, and he says, "It's the last hour, the last hour," he says, "What's it going to look like? You're, you're going to have." Uh, He says, you're going to have the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. That's how we know it's the last hour. So just looking at the time we live in, I I don't know how long it's going to be, right? Will it be, uh, you know, during my lifetime or the next or another generation or whatever? May it be another 1,000 years or more? I don't know. But the point is, is that we are in the last hour. We are in the last days. And the last days are not good. So don't be thrown off by that, like, oh, God doesn't work. But know that that's part of what is going to happen. But God is in control, and we know he's going to remove this. But it's going to be tough, okay? There is going to be some some hard uh, things that we have to look at. He he coins a term here, which he uses, uh, the antichrist. John's the only one to use it. Other people use other terms, but John uses Antichrist, and he uses it in 1 John and then 2 John, right? Um, so he made that up, just as, like, some of us think that Taylor Swift made up antihero. That's not. She didn't. Um, that's an old term. But even an antihero, like, what is it? It's, it's, it's a hero that's not a hero, OK, it's somebody who we kind of cheer for, but they, they don't have good values and good morals and they're not courageous and they're they're kind of selfish. But for some reason, we're drawn to them, you know, um, think of like those of you who are older, like the Godfather, Don Corleone, or those of you who watch Breaking Bad, Walter White. Is that his name, Walter White? Um, no, no good values. But there's something we're kind of like, oh, are they, how are they going to do, you know, um, that's the anti-hero. The anti-Christ are those who are against Christ, who just, no, they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in God, not in the Holy Spirit, and they're against those things, right? So John talks about this. He says, and through his Gospels, here's the antichrist. They're going to deny the Father, the Son. They don't acknowledge Jesus, and they deny that Jesus came in the flesh. So think about the people in your life. Are there antichrists? around us, people that don't believe, that deny the Father. Of course there are. He says that's why we're in the last days. Contrasted with when God comes with the kingdom of God, we're not going to have the Antichrist. We're not going to have people that, ah, no, I don't believe in you, God. But that's a future day. Right now we do. We have this, so don't be surprised. Now, please, will you do me a favor? We are not to use this word when we talk about our friends, right? Do not, when you're sitting around the dinner table, say, you know, I think our neighbors the Antichrist, (laughs) you know? The kids on the, you know, the e-bike gang that's probably in your street that go way too fast down the street, that don't wear helmets, you know? Don't call them the Antichrist, like, that's not it. Like, we don't have to use these terms, right, when we're talking about the loved ones. But just for John, he's just trying to explain, like, we're in the last days, and you're going to see people that are opposed to Christ, right? There are plenty of antichrists. These are lowercase a with plural. But he also talks about, in the last days, there will be the antichrist, capital A, singular, right? Who is that? What is that, right? It says, in the the last days and last hours, there's going to be a man who's going to come oppose Christ and his followers more than anybody else right he's going to likely claim to be the messiah uh, likely come with hey i'm coming in peace but he's going to come to destroy come to destroy the church come to destroy all the things that are associated with god uh, depend on your thought, theology the church and israel he'll be against these things okay he is going to come and bring destruction the scriptures old testament scriptures talk about him in daniel 7 and daniel 9 all right about this boastful king Uh, who's going to establish peace and then break it. Um, Man of lawlessness. He's the rider on the white horse claiming to be a man of peace, but he's not in Revelation 6. He's the first beast who'll be thrown in the sea, right? Receive power from the dragon. But praise be to God. And this is the beautiful thing where John, when he continues to write in the book of Revelation, he says they will have an end to the power. The Antichrist, the false prophet, will be thrown in the bottomless pit they will be uh, delivered we will be delivered from them but these are the things that you can expect in the end times in the last days so again do me a favor we don't have to uh, look around and try to say who is the antichrist and uh, just as any google search will show it is not the president of the united states right it was not Reagan or any president, you know, before or after, right? Uh, not Obama or Trump or anything like that. It, it, it doesn't matter, right? And, and probably, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but my guess is the Antichrist is not going to be from the United States of America. Probably more Middle East and something like that. That seems to be where, what Scripture would say. I could be wrong. But we don't have to sit there and like, ah, these are the Antichrist and Antich- all that. Just know that we're in the last days, okay? John calls it Babylon. We are living in Babylon. It should be no surprise that Babylon is against the Lord. All the more reason that we stand with Christ, that we are the light. We bring the light into the darkness. We represent the kingdom of God here in this world. We want to see lives flourish. We want to see people flourish in the name of Christ. We have a mission Right? It's not to follow them. It's not to live an ungodly uh, uh, life, but we are going to live a holy life. We're going to follow Christ. We're going to represent him. We're going to live for him today. All right? This is the time that we're in. Now, what about the team that we're on? We're told, John says, you need to remain in him, stay with him. All right? John's church had some membership issues. They had people that came into the church and said, oh, I love this church. I want to be a part of it. And they, they came to the celebrations, and they ate at each other's uh, houses. But they left the church. And they didn't leave the church. i got to, like, make a, a statement, uh, a kind of phrase. They didn't leave the church just to go to another church that, that was closer to their house or another church that had a better youth program or whatever. We're saying they left the church. They just left. All right? People that came in, they, they worshipped here, they said, oh, we're all brothers and sisters, but they had no relationship with Jesus. They did not desire to know him or love him or worship him or follow his example. These are the antichrists, the people that, that lie, that say, hey, come, come with me. I've got the counterfeit, uh, or i got the got the real Jesus, and they led them astray. He says there's people like that around. Be ready, but they're not from us. Right, so don't follow them. He's trying to be pretty, uh, pretty strong in his wording. Like you heard, it, he says they're the Antichrist. Okay, so there's a difference between like when people come in and they really love this, but they kind of just fade away, you know. Um, that's one thing, and we're going to keep loving them and, 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 and inviting them back and all that. But, but these are ones that they are, they are promising destruction on the church. And he says, do not have anything to do with them. They are not with us. Okay? But you, who are you? You are ones that are found in Christ. You are loved by him. Flip ahead to the, the next chapter, chapter 3. Right? Chapter 3, verse 1. It's almost like as as he is talking about um, the, the kind of the situation, he almost gets like, just caught up in this, in this beautiful act of worship. He's thinking about the Antichrist. He's thinking about those who have come and they have gone. But then he thinks about those who remain. And he says, look at this, verse, chapter 3, verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. It's, it's like, what a a beautiful statement, and I hope it's one that you sit with and you meditate on. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Uh, the original wording is like, it's almost like this, is, this love is out of this world, all right? It's, it's not from this world. You're right, it's from the Lord, it's from God. And he's given this beautiful love to you and me, to his children. He's lavished it on us. Not just sprinkled it on us or not just poured it, but like lavished it on you. That you should be called the children of God. Right? We love titles. We love labels, you know, calling people different things. Um, but this is our, this is not just a title. It's just our identity. The children of God says the, the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know Christ, but, but Christ knows you. He knows your name. And he loves you. And he's called you into his family. What great love. The world doesn't offer this love. The world will never give you this love. But God says, I love you so much. I'm lavishing this love on you and bringing you into my family. You are children of God and so you you have this this is all this is happening in the church right and you have these people that are the children of god they're just they're in love with him and they just want to worship him and you have these other people that are coming in for harm to harm and john's saying i'm going to protect you guys i mean one of the 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 roles of a pastor and as an elder is to protect the flock to protect the church and you guys we take that role seriously We want to protect you physically, uh, spiritually, emotionally. So we have a security, safety, and security team. Even right now, as we're in here, they're walking around the buildings, making sure everything's right, everything's good. You know, there's nothing weird going on out there. And if there is, they'll address it so that we and our children can worship. Right? Like I said earlier, like we we're gonna take fire alarms seriously. And I hope that wasn't a fire alarm because that would shoot everything I'm saying in the foot but um, you know I don't I don't ever want to have a fire alarm go off during our service but if it does we're going to be safe we're going to evacuate right Um, we have an AED defibrillator out here if we need it we've got that we've got a trauma bag we we have we're prepared as, as well as we can be to to provide a safe place we live scan all of our volunteers. All of our volunteers are go live scan because we just want to do our due diligence to make sure that the people are with our kids and with our families are, are safe, right? I mean, as much as we can do that, okay? Um, we're going to keep doing those things. Uh, theology, right? We, our elders, our pastors, we know our theology so that we know what is real and what is fake. And when something that is fake comes in, we want to address it. And we, thankfully, we haven't had to do it many times, but we have, right, to protect our flock. I'm going to do these things and more. We're we're trying to be transparent and open and honest. We don't have anything up our sleeves. We're not trying to hide anything here. We want you to to feel like you're a part of this, right? We're all a part of this. We want to share the power. We're not trying to hoard it and keep it. Like, we believe in this church that this is something we share, right? We're brothers and sisters together. We want to treat each other that way. This is all a part of how we protect and we care for you. I hope you feel it. And we're going to get better as we keep going, but it's important that we do what we can to protect the children of God, the family of God that God has brought here. And so that's who we are. Stay in this team. Remain, be in Christ. So we talked about the time. We've talked about the team. Now the trial, All right? Do not be led astray from the truth. There are many things that will pull us away. Life is not easy. This is hard. There's a lot going on in our lives all the time. There's many trials, but stay and remain in him. He says in verse 20, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth, right? You who have been in Christ, you who said, "I, I have given my life to Christ, you have an anointing, okay? What is an anointing? We don't really do anointing in our culture. But anointing would be pouring oil over one's head and just, like, just drenching the oil. And that was done for uh, certain people at different times. Um, once you get oil in your head like that, it's really hard to get out, right? It stays there. I identify, you kind of identify with it. When I was young, I would watch my mom, you know, get ready, and uh, she curl her hair, and then she'd get the Aquanet, you know, and just spray that. And so there, I remember there was one age, uh, I don't remember how old I was, but I, I just thought I needed some like hairspray in my hair. So I grabbed it and just, the problem was it wasn't Aquanet, it was RightGuard. man. my dad's Guard spray, you know, my hair was like oily for like a month, you know, like you, once that gets in there, man, you can't get that out, you know, not back with 80s shampoo anyway. But that's the closest I had to an anointing. But we, you, we've been anointed, right? When you came to Christ, you have been anointed. And he, he talks about what's the anointing that you have. It's not right guard or anything like that, it's better, it's God's word and it's God's spirit. Like God's Word and His Spirit, that's our anointing. That God's Word, the objective Word that we have, that we can read, that we can study and highlight. We have this. But we have God's Spirit, probably more subjective, uh, working in our lives and leading us towards a, a righteous life. In verse 24, chapter 2, verse 24, it says, As for you... See what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. And if it does, you will also remain in the Son and the Father. Speaking of the gospel, what what brought you into this relationship? What brought you into the church? What brought you into the family of God? The gospel. That's what brought you in here. Keep that. Sometimes we think about the gospel as the thing that brings us into salvation, but then we can kind of leave it. But no, it's the same thing. What brought us Into the relationship keeps us. We know, if we remember, like the gospel, like God has created this world, He's loved it, but we sinned against Him, right? I've sinned against Him, and there's nothing I can do to make myself right with God. But God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross for us, who's the perfect sacrifice to take away sins, and that through faith, we can enter into this relationship. We can be a part of God's family. And then we know how much we're loved by him, right? We just talked about it. How great the Father's love that he's lavished on us, that we'd be the, ch- the children of God. We experienced that kind of love, and that brought us into a relationship, but that keeps us in this relationship. So don't ever think the gospel is something that we just kind of leave behind once we're, once we're in the faith. We live in it. Maybe some of you have heard the phrase, like, preach the gospel to yourself daily. All right? What does that mean? It means, like to me, like yes, I'm a sinner. I keep sinning. I, sin is part of my. I try not to. I'm trying to crucify that flesh, but it still creeps in. But more than that, I'm a forgiven saint. I am loved by God. He loves me so much, and He brought this, and He's He wants me into this relationship. I don't have to live in shame. I don't have to live in guilt because that has been taken away. There's no condemnation those who are in Jesus Christ. I Have peace with God. Preach in the gospel to yourself. What started, stay in it. Keep in it. You've been anointed with that gospel. Don't let it move away. He says also you've been anointed with God's Spirit. In verse 27, As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But at his anointing, it teaches you about all things. And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in Him. Uh, I think every commentator that i read agrees, this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is, is, comes into us. It's that deposit that we receive that is, is living in us. And that, that Spirit is the one that's leading us towards Christ, and it's speaking to us, and it's teaching us. The question is, it's part of our maturity as we grow in faith. That are we hearing the Spirit? Are we paying attention? Do we know the Spirit's voice? There are times that the Spirit speaks loud. Right. That you, no matter what you're doing, you're listening to Beyonce or listening to your True Crimes podcast. That when the Spirit speaks, you hear it, and you're like, "Oh, I hear you." But in my experience, more often the Spirit is pretty quiet. It's a still small voice, right? And we've got to be—we got to like train ourselves. How do we listen to the Spirit? There's a okay. I am not on TikTok. I never will be. I'm too old. So, youth, you're welcome. Okay, I'm not going to invade your space. But I listen and I read and I—I've I've heard the the latest trend on TikTok. And you can say that was so old. That was so like three weeks ago, or whatever. But um, and it probably is right. But they're talking about it now. It's it's. Um, it's a silent walking. This is the latest TikTok health craze, whatever. It doesn't matter. But what they're saying is, you know, instead of going and when you go for a walk, instead of listening to your music and all of that, um, leave it behind and just go and just be silent and just do a silent walk every day. It's good. Go out in nature, go see things and notice things and don't be distracted by this. They say that if you do this, you will go to a deeper level of consciousness, which seems funny. I would say you probably go to a normal level of consciousness. I mean, that's what people have done for centuries, right? (laughs) That's the normal. This is a little bit abnormal, the time we're living in. But even, you know, in that, I mean, that's nothing spiritual. Just saying, like, it's good to, like, distance yourself once in a while from this. And it's good for us. We need to do that. We, listen, go, go out and just listen and just say, Lord, are you trying to speak to me? I just want to know your voice. I want to hear your voice. I want to know that subtle nudge, you know, that you're like pushing me in towards righteousness or away from the things that are tempting me. Like your spirit is in me. I have been an anointed with the spirit. I want to listen and hear it. So help me to listen to that. Help me to hear what you need, what I need to hear. It says that He will teach us. The Spirit will teach us. And it doesn't mean that we don't need teachers, right? I mean, we need people around us to, to talk to us. But we, we do have the Spirit, and He is teaching us. It's funny. A few weeks ago, we were getting our bathroom remodeled, and um, this, one of the workers comes in, and, and I had some Christian music on, Phil Wickham or whatever. And, and uh, he says, uh, are you a Christian? I hear your music. I said, yeah, I am. He says, oh, I, 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 I used to go to church, and all that, I don't do that anymore. Like, I just have, just, I just listen to God. He just speaks to me. I don't need anybody else to speak to me. And then, and then he just gets really passionate. He's like, I hate preachers. I hate preachers. I mean, they just lie, and they just talk and talk and talk and talk. And they don't teach me anything. And man, I, you, know, I, you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm thinking, like, okay. What do I say, you know? Now, I didn't get to say, like, well, you probably need the Holy Spirit to tell you who you're talking to because I'm a pastor. Um, <laughs> before I could say that, his, his partner, who was, I think, his boss and very annoyed with him, was like, get back to work. Come on. And so I never got to say that and all that. But it, it just reminded me, like, there's people out there that are like, yeah, we don't, I don't need any of that. But just because we have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean we need, we don't have people around us to help right? We need the people that keep speaking into our lives, but we do have the Spirit, and we have God's Word, and we have this church community, our brothers and sisters, all of these things to help us know the truth, to stay in the truth, to not be led astray into counterfeits, to not go into the world, but to stay together and love each other and help each other and encourage each other and support each other. We need this. But I'm afraid in our day and age, in these last days, We're very isolated, and we think, oh, I just have a a Bible, I have the Holy Spirit, I have a few podcasts, I don't need people. But John, remember, he's writing to the church. He's saying, you are the family of God. We are the children of God. We have each other. We are to remain with each other, and we're going to be centered on God's Word and with His Spirit, and together that, we're going to keep our eyes on Christ. He ends us with saying, in verse 28, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. He is coming. When, I don't know. And he will appear. I believe that. And I want to be confident. And I want you to be confident. I don't want anybody to be ashamed that when he comes, we are not with him. We are not walking with him. So there's a lot of questions, right, on how it'll happen and when and where all that. I don't know. But here's what I know, that we are in the last days. There are imitations and there are counterfeits and there are antichrists around. We just be aware of that, right? They look great in the store window, but they're not the truth. They will fall apart and they will break and they will shatter and they will leave us empty but we do have the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, not the counterfeits. We have the gospel, we have the spirit, we have each other. Let's continue to remain in him. Yes, there will be hard times, there will be struggles. We have our youth in here, just know, like is it, we don't have all the answers, right? There are gonna be times where our faith is dry, right? All of us can admit that. There are times when we're totally distracted, but remain. And sometimes we think it's just up to us. Like if, we, if we're still holding on when we reach heaven, then we get eternal life. But here's the deal. You can hold on with your, all your hands. You can hold on with your pinkies. But who is holding on to you? Jesus is holding on to you. If you are in Jesus, he will get you there. And that reward? Eternal life. Hold on, let's remain.